Welcome to today's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels. This sports podcast will be a good one. A lot to talk about on this Thursday as we get into March 2017. I'm going to talk to my good friend Tyler Tesson, college hockey teammate, about the NHL trade deadline. Some big moves this year, maybe not at the deadline, but a little bit before, headlined by the Blues sending Kevin Shattenkirk to the Capitals. We'll talk about that as well as some races in the playoff picture. But first, Sean Sullivan, Matt Wittenberg, two good friends of mine from the NFL Network. We're going to preview the NFL Scouting Combine that starts tomorrow, four days. College football's best prospects get ready to enter the NFL, and we'll look at what the Combine means and who can improve their stock with a good performance. It's the Money Mitch Effect, and it starts right now. All right, it's time now to go into the world of football. And with that, I've got some guys here that are transforming, well, their generation, first of all, but the sport of football, second. Sean Sullivan, Matt Wittenberg, guys, thanks for wow, what back on the show. Yeah, I like the sound of that. I am uh, I'm sweating it now. It's a lot of pressure you got on I've been, I've been bringing heat on the intro. And yeah. My philosophy is... We're going to aim as high as we can off the bat. Because so, it, it, it can only go downhill from here. Yeah, and it does. So it always goes downhill. <laughs> but you start high. You know, you leave right. it. You start there. So right. that way. you got got to hook them first. If anybody ever tunes out, they're tuning out at a higher point than they would have. If yeah, absolutely. Gone, so. yep. Yep. All right, that's how I look at it. But it's the NFL Combine season. And, you know, it's hard to believe it hasn't even been a month since the Super Bowl ended. But the season, it really, it really does go all year. Football season is a year-round sport now. And we're getting ready for the Combine this weekend, Mm -hmm. the Combine in Indianapolis, for all the top prospects. But before that, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the free agent moves that teams have made and the tags and whatnot being put on guys. I want to focus instead, and I'll start with you, Witt, on the veterans that are getting released. We saw today, we're recording this on a Tuesday, last day in February, some veteran running backs, some all-time leading rushers in their franchise's history getting released along with cornerback Darrell Revis, who had Jamal Charles with the Chiefs, Adrian Peterson on the Vikings. I know it's a current thing. Yeah. million dollars made between the three of those guys. Insane. And I know we see this every I know we see this every year, but is this something where it's an abnormal year? We're starting to see more of it, or is this about the norm? I think from the running back standpoint, it's a little bit of an abnormality just with how much of a youth movement there's been at the position the last few years and how much afford, more affordable rookie contracts are for teams nowadays. So they're not getting the value with those big-time contracts with Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, often injured. So, yeah, those guys or those teams are definitely going to be eyeing some running backs who we'll probably be hitting on a little later in this episode. And it's an interesting time, especially right. at that position. And I just want to say, Revis, to me, is more of the aging veteran. We see that story mm-hmm. time and time again where a guy just falls off that cliff and isn't worth the money, and it makes perfect sense for a team in rebuild mode to make that move. So the running back side of things, though, you're getting not only all these contracts that are just way weighted towards the back end of these guys' careers, but essentially cheap labor from the draft. Yeah, we, we were talking about it uh, just set up here a few minutes ago, how deep the position is in this draft. It's unreal. I mean, you got the Chiefs just at the back end of the first round. You're going to have guys like Alvin Kamara and uh, Christian McCaffrey sitting there waiting when you right. get picked up, and they're going to be A, way cheaper, be more durable, and C, have a lot more tread on the tire than Jamal Charles does. So it, it makes yeah. complete and utter sense to cut the guy, and, and, and it hurts because he's one of your best players in franchise history, but 
Yeah, and who and send the money to Eric Perry, who's younger and deserves it, <laughs> oh, go absolutely. balls, and then uh, pick you up a ball running back. And and I'm, 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 I'm chiefing. Well, <laughs> you know, here's the first thing with that. Who's to say they even need to draft in the first round? They could wait till mid rounds. They've had guys produce yeah. at a solid level. Well, I don't think you need to Bowl, make. Look yeah. at the Super Bowl running backs from both sides. Are all third, fourth, fifth undrafted on both exactly. sides? Yeah, you don't need to make it a priority early anymore. It's nice when an Ezekiel Elliott or maybe a Fournette or a Dalvin Cook falls in your lap with, but you don't need to make it a priority. And I would argue, too, that I think the trend we're going to with these veteran running backs when you don't know when their time is up, a lot of one-year deals. High salary, one-year deal. I don't think you can afford to sign these guys. Yeah, you just load it up with incentives if they break 1,000 yards, make the Pro Bowl or whatever. But to your point, you can find backs in any round in the draft nowadays. I mean... This is extremely biased from my standpoint, but the best running back in the league, David Johnson, was a third-round pick. We so. are playing favorites today. <laughs> hey, fa- fantasy, fantasy yeah. running back, you can definitely make that argument, and he's obviously yeah, a top-five running back, period. Yeah, absolutely. You can't argue no, that. There's so. definitely some validity there. Yeah. You just like look from team to team, like how many teams are starting guys that were picked in the first round? It's a strong minority in the league nowadays. Strong minority. And I went the Cowboys. Yeah, which is just a new era of yeah. like the new generation of running backs, but right. not that many. And I think, too, there still might be value in the careers left of Charles and Peterson. It's not long-term value, but these guys, when they approach 30, you sign them to one-year deals. You make it based on games played. Can they get on the field, what they can produce? Yeah. It could be worth the contract. I don't think you want them to be your, your bell cow necessarily, just more of like a third-down role or to help spell a guy if you have the younger running back. Or it makes me sick, Jared Jones, looking at AP <laughs> to stick with uh, Zeke Elliott. And that, that is a stupid well, combo. Let's, no let's just be, let's no just be honest here, that. though. That might, that's probably the best thing for him. Like, for Peterson's career to get the most out yeah. of it, play behind that line, don't have to be the main guy. No. Is he willing to not to be the main guy in that much? Maybe that's the maybe question. Maybe the Super Bowl. But that, yeah, but that's yeah, the question, though. Any other team he goes to, you say, well, Seattle. he's probably going to be at least a 50-50 split. You go to yeah. Dallas, Ezekiel, oh, it's a good 75 all day. Yeah, I don't care yeah. who it is. Yeah, exactly. it is all day. Yeah. Uh, I work, let me pose that question, guys. Where do you see these guys falling? Charles, I think, is going to go to the Giants. I okay. think they're going to. I think they're going to. Yeah, because we heard like we heard AP went, was kind of getting in bed with the Giants a little bit. So, if it's not the Cowboys, a sleeper that I've heard that I think could be very active in the free agent. I don't know if it's running back or receiver, but Tampa Bay is going to make a splash. Ooh, I and I that. think Charles might make a little more sense there. Mm-hmm. But they they just want weapons. They want toys for Jameis Winston. Right. They want to get to, to juggernaut offense, and it's. It's worth it. I mean, they're close. They're close to playoff level. Right, right. They're they're on the edge, and that that division is uh, constantly wide open, flip flopping. I mean, you go from Atlanta from a Super Bowl, Carolina, you know, Carolina to a Super Bowl, and then yeah. Carolina tanks. Like it, it, that's a wacky. Drew Brees division. is still there. Yeah, it's right. a it's a QB heavy division Very sure. Yeah, I don't know about the Seahawks out. making a play though. I'm not. No, sure. we don't have a, we don't have a whole yeah. lot of a lot of money. That's part of it. The offensive uh, line situation is terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible. Yeah, they need to work. We're a graveyard for injuries last, especially last year with uh, running back. So. Yeah, I doubt it. But Denver could be an interesting play that I saw mentioned a couple times. Obviously, they have they're pretty strapped as far as cap room goes. But Always hypothetically, if they get Tony Romo, that might be a draw for mm-hmm. getting a guy like Peterson right. to want to commit. And that yeah. they yeah. have C.J. Anderson still, so he wouldn't necessarily have to carry the load. Well, we know L.A. is a magician. He'll figure out a way to make something sure. work. People there. want to play for him. So it's exciting. Well, we're going to go now to the combine. That's where we're going to focus most of this discussion. Hard to believe we're already getting started with it, and they've been doing this for a lot of years. 
guys. Sully, I'll, I'll pose you this question. Mm -hmm. How much stock do you put into the combine, given the fact that a lot of these guys have proven resumes and working out in front of scouts might not necessarily tell the whole story. Is it hype or, or is it getting getting more serious? I think a lot of what the fans see is hype. I think uh, the underwear Olympics is something people like to yeah. I want to watch guys little... work out in spandex and go to Venice Beach. Yeah, exactly. You go to Muscle Beach and, <laughs> and there you go. But um, Sadder, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Much sadder. Much, much sadder. Uh, more washed up Olympics. That's more of the veteran combine that they tried for a little while. That's, that's the Muscle I think I did Beach. see Brady Quinn there, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's a little overrated, but for teams to be able to sit down and interview guys, I think that's a huge part of the combine. And then the it's medical the evaluations, those are the two biggest. Like you got guys that are coming off of ACLs that like a Jake Butt that is a really good tight end, has a lot of knocks and, and, and uh, could shoot his draft stock up if, he, if those uh, MRIs come back and, and the doctors like what they see. To yeah. your point, medical evaluations are the most underrated, underappreciated mm -hmm. aspect yeah. of this. You, you get to do your research with your doctors there. I think, to me, I've always said it was a lot of hype and what the fans see and the workouts themselves. Mm -hmm. But with, to me, it's always been just a job interview. Can you focus? Can you show up? Can you show up in shape? Can you take it serious? Can you be a good citizen? And Surprisingly, sadly, that's not always the case. No, it's true. It's kind of like that first uh, roadblock that draft prospects have to get by. Right. Is if you navigate that, then you might get called into that to an individual team for an individual workout at their facility. And, or you might just fall off their radar completely if you don't answer their question, the questions that they were looking for. If the, your speed isn't up to snuff or if you just have that error like air about you that you're yeah. talking about if, yeah, if you're passionate about this it. Is not a, this is the first job interview for a lot of these guys. I mean, the, the teams were able to talk to seniors at the Senior Bowl and, the, and, the, and uh, the, all the All-Star games, not necessarily a lot of the younger classmen uh, that are coming out early. That they, That's the, kind of their first sit-down with them, and they can start whittling down to, to those 30 players that they're going to be able to bring into their, to their right. facilities for the personal. It sounds a lot like uh, a first date. <laughs> Yes, a little bit. It's, 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 it's more. It's more like speed dating. If you don't uh, answer the questions they like, you don't want to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, it's more it's speed dating. Like next, let's you know, you got fifteen minutes, sixty guys. Let's turn through them and, and the see bus. Yeah, you're on the bus waiting. And, uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what was that old MTV? Uh, it was called next. Right. Next. Right. Yeah. yeah next. Exactly. They're they're nexting guys. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. All right. Well. that... <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that piques everybody's interest. Yes, yes. That was a great shot. I feel like, speaking of wit, uh, I feel like half that show were Arizona State grads or current Arizona State students. Oh, I feel man, like. yeah. <laughs> I know, so. They don't they turn out They the spent best. a lot of time in Arizona. <laughs> we don't turn out the best NFL prospects, but no. as far yeah. as next prospects go, right. top of the line. Uh, that's another sport, that's for sure. <laughs> maybe, but, maybe next episode. Maybe, maybe. Break maybe. that down. The well, best yeah. next episode. It'll be the whole MTV shows next. But yes. back to the actual combine, I want to start kind of in order. We'll go with each group, and for those of the people out there that are listening that might not know how the combine works, they divide it up into groups, and it essentially works like that, where you have each group do the activities on the field and off at a certain pattern, some starting earlier. And then finishing up on Monday with the defensive backs. That's the last group of the of the week. Check-ins tonight. Check-ins yeah. today. So. Medical exams, interviews through tomorrow. Wonderlick test on Thursday with various tests in the media. Offensive line running backs Friday. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends Saturday. 
you know, that's that's kind of an obvious. The Wonder Egg Fest. I'd love to see that live stream. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Guys, <sweating laughs> yeah. breaking pencils oh my over God. there. But well, it's, I'm looking at it. Have either one of you guys ever taken I've it? Taken yeah. I've taken a single Wonder Egg test, and I, I, I did all right on it. I wasn't. It, it's it's a no no. Uh, what do you have? Twelve minutes for fifty questions or something? Yeah. So it's something not even. I think it's like six minutes or something. Yeah. Shorter for fifty questions. So the time limit's pretty pretty testy, but. The, the no calculator thing, too, because sometimes, I mean, you're just sitting there doing scratch, and I'm, I'm going to skip those, because I'm like, well, dude, I'm not, I'm not sitting yeah, there diving into decimals. Yeah, time management, exactly. You're showing, showing how you manage your time. See, I would watch it because, not just the negative side, watch, like, Fitzpatrick just, like, doing his nails or just, yeah, like, right, just like, right. eating, eating, like, a salad or something. Yeah, like, exactly. You know. Yeah, yeah. He's just, oh, I'm just going to get a pedicure while this is going on. This yeah, well, you have some poor break. Alabama dude yeah. that, that had to get a car to get into school, and uh, it's just, he's over there uh, sweating. <laughs> Robert so we're, shots there. we're going to the low, highs and lows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's just both, both sides. So with day one is offensive linemen and running backs. Correct. So you get the old linemen run in the 40s. That's always something to look forward to. But right. it's also the first day where we have the unknowns coming up. The guys that got the invites that had to qualify for it. Mm-hmm. What are you looking forward to on that first day? Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. For offensive linemen, the real drill that you want to keep your eye on is like their 10 yard splits. Like, how long does it. You're never going to have an offensive lineman have to run 40 yards down the field, or very rarely, I should say. But David Johnson breaks out the screen pass, maybe. But yeah, so it's those 10 yard splits, like the lateral quickness, obviously, and the blocking drills so three cone 20 yards split even for offensive linemen a little bit not as much as the 10 if you look at a guy like Ali Marpet a couple years ago out of, a small, out of a small school Hobart uh was, beat, three, was yeah. beating a lot of a lot of wide receivers on that 10 yard split and that really opened up, up some eyes and said uh said to the scouts like this guy might be worth uh, all the talk that we've been hearing about him and we look at I guess running backs too it's also our first time to bring up the fact that the 40 race for 424, which by the way, I don't know. The, the island, it seems like there's a catch. Yeah. Like, no. Where is the island? Is I, it in like Swahili? I don't know. I need to know this before I sign up for Yeah, island. exactly. Is it in the South Pacific? That'd be nice, you yeah. know? But uh, uh, yeah, I was I was breaking down film earlier, the, the running backs, and uh, had to support my boy Alvin Kamara, tweeting out uh, he's going to win the island. He's got, going got, for it. Oh, yeah, well, of course he Well, is. you have to run it in their shoes. That's the most important thing, which oh, I yeah. think it's a good he's move gonna, to try. Got, he's got a pair of those, uh, those Jaguar print the, Adidas cleats. The bigger picture is, as long as you haven't signed your endorsement deal yet with somebody other than Adidas, mm-hmm. you can do it. But I would caution everybody with, you better like running in those shoes because it's also your job. To interview. At the end of the day. Like, if there's any yeah. discomfort, forget about it. There'll be other islands if you right. have a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, you're going to be yeah, wearing yeah. shoes for a long time. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, don't don't just, just strictly go for the island here. You can buy your own island if you run enough yards. But let's go into the running back discussion because we all think this could be one of the deepest running back draft classes. Maybe historically, definitely in a long time. Has potential. Wait, who do you like? And who do you think will have a good combine to really help their case at the draft? I think Dalvin Cook's probably the guy who's going to end up testing the best. He's probably the most naturally gifted, most pro-ready. I know some people are going to prefer Fournette, but Fournette had some durability issues in college, and I'm not sure if that will play too much into the combine or his workout, but I look at Dalvin Cook as being sort of like the workout warrior and probably – I don't know if he'll get drafted before Fournette, but I think he he probably has the all around better skill set. I love that answer. 
I do think Cook is my pick to be the all-around better pro. And I say that with very little appreciation for Cook the person based on what he's gotten in trouble. Yeah, I was about to say, he needs to, he needs to win in an interview where him and kind of hold serve. On, on the field because I just like his style like I can't hate on how he runs how he plays I see a lot of a lot of good potential there Fournette's an interesting one because I don't, I don't is he running is are we are we gonna see uh, Fournette do all the yeah just wonder what the injury if he might he might be one a candidate for I'm gonna pull out towards until the, the pro day field, you know until the pro day and right. another note on uh, Cook what I like the best about him it seems like he's probably the best pass catching back, except for maybe McCaffrey might be a little bit of a better or pass, Kamara. A little yeah. bit of better pass catcher, but and the way the running back position evolved kind of touched on earlier with guys like Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson doing so much lining up in the slot or catching the ball in the backfield is I think gonna go a long way to helping his stock the more the more you can do the more valuable. Well you see are. well it, well the piggyback off of that, uh Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara returned punts and kicks. I didn't see uh That's true too. Cook, and Cook, he yeah, won't right. do that in that yeah, NFL no, either. No. <laughs> right, but I don't assuming that because I don't think McCaffrey's gonna turn into that. I mean we don't see him being that every down back type person. I guarantee if Alvin he's does, yeah. He's not returning. He's not gonna kick return. So no, it's no. it provides extra value, but at the end of the day, like I right. I'm not gonna fault a guy for not being a kick return. It, it's an, it's an extra guy. box check, but it's yeah. not a make or break or or, or oh, right. oh we gotta go draft this guy because he's returning yeah, kicks. Yeah, teams aren't drafting their kick return no. on the first round. Certainly not. You no. can pick up a seventh round dude that can catch the ball and runs a four three, and then you're like, all right, we're gonna stick this guy back there. The Alvin Kamara, the McCaffrey debate, I think that's gonna be one to watch because mm-hmm. I think McCaffrey, especially pass catching that drill, is always good to see what the running backs right. can do with their hands. But these are three and four, depending on what teams like and personnel wise. We're thinking late first, early second, second latest. Right. Mm-hmm. This could be close. I'm, I'm anxious to see them side by side. What their differences are. That that's that's what I was gonna say when I'm looking most forward to uh, a because AK is the man. But so 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 is Christian McCaffrey. I mean the guy. Yeah, I can't hate on that. You can't hate on him either. I mean he's he, the Rose Bowl I had two years ago was just one of the best games. In Christian that, McCaffrey show. Oh, it was unreal. I mean, and you'd love him on your Seahawks. Like you would just love him. Yeah. Oh, I would love either one of them on the Seahawks, like, for that's sure. But we have a like CJ yeah. so it, it, it kills me that we draft. I mean, he's great. He's going to be a great running back. Field, I don't want to stay on the field. Yeah. Exactly. So, my notes on Alvin, um, a lot, I mean, they're they're almost almost very similar to Christian McCaffrey. Out of the backfield. Um, lateral quickness, can return kicks, great hands. They're, they're very, very similar backs. It's hard to separate either one of them. I think the difference between the two, uh, Christian has a lot more tread on the tire, but also has a lot more tape. He can obviously do it for the whole season and um, has proven it. Alvin, not so much proven, but doesn't have a lot of tread on the tire. Sat behind, was going into the season a, a top 10 running back prospect. Now Jalen Hurd, Lord knows what he's doing right <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, but yeah. I think that speaks not to Alvin Kamara's talent. I think that speaks more to Tennessee's coaching staff and their ability to... <laughs> To somehow see uh, heard better in practice, I don't know, but yeah, that's definitely going to be a really good, okay. really good thing to watch on the first day. Well, and I see your note on Fournette; it just says freak. Freak, yeah. So that's, that's the, the freak. notes. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, so <laughs> on the flip side, uh, Fournette, I think is going to be the guy that that really opens some eyes because we we know it's we a know specimen. He's a specimen. We know Cook's quick. We know he can catch. We we know that Fournette on the flip side. This guy is the biggest back coming out, he's and, a he's gonna, and he's going to be—he's going to be, I, I think, one of the faster backs. I think he's going to. His time is not going to be a four-four, but if he runs a four-five-five at two hundred, you know, thirty-five yeah. pounds or whatever, two forty, he's going to. I don't. I don't. Freak want, some people out. I don't want to say I'm worried about bust potential, 
Yeah. But we were talking about this. So every year with running back, there's at least one or two. Yeah. That mm-hmm. just don't pan out. And I wouldn't be completely shocked if it was Fournette. Or any of these guys, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying, with the injury history, you know, Fournette, with how the week's kind of getting a little And how he runs, too. There, he, yeah. I, he, you there's no guarantees. No guarantees. None. Um, another guy I like to keep my eye on is, is uh, Donald Pumphrey. All-time leader. Yeah. Sure. San Diego oh, State. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be... root for guys like that, too. You yeah, know? you got you to gotta root for the smaller school guys. Uh, and David Johnson. David Johnson. Yeah, there you go. There's, there's your Cardinals plug there. But the, 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 guy, the, guy, the guy is good. It, I think he doesn't have a whole lot to prove uh, out there. We know his speed. He's going to be fast. As long as he just holds serve, he doesn't, doesn't like just completely throw out a 4-6 or something. He's right. going to be fine. But I think he's going to be fun to watch. The guy's going to throw out a really good 40 time. So let's look now at day two. Money Mitch affects Sean Sullivan, Matt Wittenberg, quarterbacks. Ooh. And yeah, it's and be an no, one. yeah. Well, that's gonna be good. We got quarterbacks and wideouts, so it's gonna be a very exciting day. The wideout side of things, I want to end with quarterbacks. I know we got a lot to talk about there, but this is where we normally see the forty time threatened. This wide receiver class, I don't want to say it's weak. But I think we've been spoiled with by how good some of these rookie receivers are. Are there going to be impact-type players at this combine that we should look at as beasts in the NFL next year? It's uh, pretty top-heavy, yeah, I would have to agree. I think the top three is pretty well cemented. Yeah, Mike Williams, the big wide receiver from Clemson. Corey Davis, who's injured and won't work out at the combine. The guy from out of uh, Western Michigan. And then uh, John Ross, who's probably the fastest out of all of them. And if anyone's going to break that... 4-2, I would put my money on him. And those are going to be my three guys that I'm keeping my eye on because Card- my Cardinals are a little wide receiver needy and just to see how if one of these guys can come in, compliment Larry Fitzgerald potentially as a rookie. So it's going to be an interesting one for sure. We uh, Williams is a stud. We saw what he can do against top-level talent. And I think he might go out. Uh, I mean, he's he might go out and lay an egg. And I think you need to lean on the tape a little bit with him. Exactly. He's what not would the that matter? Guy. We saw what he did against yeah. Alabama. He's a freak. He's a freak. Mike <laughs> uh, Evans wasn't the fastest guy either, and that didn't have too much of an impact. Nah, yeah, exactly. My note That's, for my note for John Ross will kill the forty. By the way, so yeah, definitely, definitely an eye an eye popper. Everybody's going to have their, yeah, their two he, eyes he on him. Yeah, tore up the Pac-12 pretty well this last season. So, yeah. Go I'm, look at that Cal game. Like, yeah. He just completely single-handedly torched their defense. The thing I look at most, more than any drill, we, you mean broad jump, high jump, which are all good barometers for just how athletic guys are, drops. I want to yeah. see... That would tell me more than any other drill. How many and not necessarily in the yeah. gauntlet, either. I think a lot of people look at the gauntlet and say, oh, well, it's a huge drill. Like, you're, you're, you're changing direction... And you're, you're you're getting thrown at multiple ways, but mm-hmm. there is in no way does that look at how good you are at a, as a football player. Just it just because no. when are you going to be able when in the when in the game of football you're going to turn catch one ball and then turn and catch another ball? You're not. It's just ridiculous. It does not happen. Doing the jug machine or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's. I, I do want to just see them more in the real route slash game setting thing. But I'm with you with Williams. Look at the tape. We know what this guy can do yeah. out there. Samuel, I gotta throw my guy out there. You guys are making references left and right, but yeah. I think Samuel out of Ohio State. Yeah, he's that slot, maybe even H back type. I don't know that he's first round pick, but somebody I think could get some real value in the second round. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think he's another one of those guys that you can look at the Chiefs to to. Oh, really love him. He's yeah. 
where it's thinking where, about barbecue food and, t- and ten minute drive. <laughs> yeah, right exactly, <laughs> where they can go in and he's, he's, he can do a lot of things that Charles uh, can do and, and catch the great great hands out of the backfield. It's yeah. just another one of those dudes that are it's a smaller back, super speed, mm-hmm. versatile. Yeah, and I brought him up with receivers because I think he might gravitate toward more towards that. It's more of a Dexter McCluster type, where yeah. he's kind of an H back. Thomas, yeah, Anthony Thomas, right? Exactly. those players there. But all right, let's look at quarterbacks because this is an intriguing. Class. Hold on, before we go, oh, okay, quarterbacks, yeah, go I, got, I got one more receiver. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them. I got one too. Uh, okay, Cooper Cup. That's, <laughs> that's DJ's guy. Got to throw him in there. Okay. Eastern Washington. The he tore up the Senior Bowl. Burnt guys like Desmond King, Thorpe Award winner, absolute beast. He made him look silly on a few routes. Caught a fifty-yard bomb against him in practice, but still. Um, I think he's going to touch really well. From what I'm hearing through the move of six guys, is it's either he's either going to kill it and run like a four or five, and he's he's a bigger guy, so it, it doesn't matter as much. But or or four six. Hopefully he he splits somewhere down the middle, and then all the hype we're hearing about him is 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 completely warranted. I yeah. I mean, I've heard a little bit about him. I know the senior ball. I, I have mixed thoughts on that because it's a good showcase against better talent. But I wonder sometimes how serious some of the guys take that week, the games, the practice. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Man. I don't really know. I don't know, man. I think, I think a lot of maybe, maybe not for the top end guys. But yeah. But the middle of the road, dude. Yeah. Like, like a Cam Sutton had a great week, and he could easily be taken in the first two, three rounds. But before the Senior Bowl, nobody was talking about him, and you're able to create that buzz. I think a lot of dudes okay. are, are able to 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 boost their draft stock well, from that week. Okay. Well, let's see. Well, who's your other guy? Uh, what was my other guy? Juju Smith Schuster. I think he's okay. he's gonna yeah. test really really well. I mean, the dude's a freak. Wow. Out. Name tests well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. all name yeah. team, and he's gonna jump out of the gym. Gonna fly through uh fly through the forty. So that's you got what? Uh, guy might go second, but probably more third round range is uh Chris Godwin from Penn State, who put on an absolute show in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's pretty a big ten title game too, didn't he? Yeah, he. I worry about. I, I worry about him though. I'm not sure. Just if that the was... one big performance. Yeah, being well, like an outlier potentially. Their OJ, season OJ down Howard the stretch. Yeah, their season <laughs> down the stretch was just got it deep, 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 and and he was an unbelievable deep threat. But I want to see him at that NFL level. Yeah, it's where you're not going to get free range down the no. field. I mean, I'm not. I'm sure Sully the Move the Sticks guys or, or NFL people would tell you you're not going to get the releases that he got in college, where you can mm-hmm. just. Get a free clean down the field. So yeah. I'm worried about him. I think there's some potential there. But I do want to talk about quarterbacks because it's an interesting class. And we have about really four to five now. We have five. We'll get to the fifth guy, but there's that big four, mm-hmm. you know, that we look at. Well, I'm, I am waiting for Chad Kelly to do the sting entrance from the roof and crash the party. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That'd be oh pretty insane. Oh, my God. It's Chad Kelly. Yeah. He's, like, he's walking out of the freaking Migos or something. Yeah. With the scarecrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Baseball bat, you know. Yeah. But, okay, so we're still a little unclear what who is going to go where, how the dominoes will fall away. But I look at Trubisky, North Carolina, Kaiser, Watson, those are the big three. Mahomes from eight from Tech. Tech. Mm-hmm. Am I forgetting someone? It's just those four. Uh, Watson, Trubisky, Kaiser, uh, Davis, Davis Webb. Webb's getting some yeah. Top. Okay, so it's a Nate big Peterman. four. Yeah. Basically, a bigger three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are Mahomes though. Like he, he's come on strong recently. Are we are we falling for the hype here, or is this kid the real thing? God, I've seen the uh, last few couple days a lot of more like NFL draft insider guys talking about him, saying how. How well this guy is going to test, and 
Texas Tech offense is really hard to gauge the NFL. I mean, he puts up video game numbers and throws the ball 55 times a game, and which obviously is not necessarily the best barometer for an NFL offense, but the guy looks like he has good arm talent, seems to be a decent enough decision maker. Didn't beat ASU, funny enough, this year. One of our lone wins. <laughs> he torched you guys, but I mean, I, I felt like everybody did that. So yeah. Right. So, <laughs> How I mean, can I judge right. him on that? We just torched their defense yeah. a little better, but yeah, he's going to be really interesting to watch. I, I don't know how... Honestly, can't think of a successful air raid quarterback in the NFL right now. But, I mean, maybe he bucks the trend. So, Sully, so you have Kaiser, Watson, and Trubisky, and all are going to throw. Yeah. How shocked are you at that? And do you think some it. can gain? Or any one of these guys going to gain more by throwing? Yeah, I think I, I think uh, I think all of them need to prove something. Um, a, a lot of the, the pundits, are, are their heads are swimming on... Which way they're gonna go? Who's number one? Everybody has a different guy at this point. Exactly. And and the the best way to, to separate yourself from people on your draft on teams draft boards, go out there and throw and prove yourself. And to have three guys to go head to head, it's gonna be really fun to watch. And I think it's it's a not a deep class. I think there's a lot of middle of the road guys out of the QB position uh, in this draft. But I think there's there's definitely potential for a diamond in the rough like that to come out like a. Like a Davis Webb or a Peterman or right. something like that. Well, I think the most Your to boy gain, Dobbs. Yeah. Dobbs. Dobbs, yeah, who yeah. knows? He's Sp- got a little, he's Dobbs. got a little career backup in him, which I don't say that as a as a downer. Yeah, and and I would, not, yeah. all of us would yeah. at this table would love yeah. to be a career backup in the NFL. Oh, no doubt, yeah. best yeah. job in best sports. Job in sports. Yeah. Seriously, uh, I think I would say Watson has the most to gain. Because we're always going to say one way or the other, he's a gamer. Or like, let's you know, give him a chance, right? Because of what he did on the field. He's won at every level. Yada, yada, the tools yada. might not be there, him to the other guy. Mm-hmm. One guy I think doesn't have a lot to game, this is just my personal opinion, Kaiser. Because he's had the tools. Yeah. I, I don't think there's much of a disagreement. Like, you see it. Like, just the build, the arm strength. Something wasn't right with him in Notre Dame. And I don't know that it was him. Brian Kelly was maybe running that program into the ground. Yeah. You know. That's conversation for one, another day, yeah. too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One we got choking, Brian Kelly Jr. One choking and assisting yeah. at a time. But no, yeah. I mean, um, I think... Gary Barber. I think he's one where we're going to have to see. I, I don't know that him putting out a clinic is going to do much for the perception of me or many other people. Yeah, uh, I can see that. I could I could definitely see where you're coming from. And by the way, he's my best... I like him better than anyone else. Than anybody else? Okay, okay. I, I think he needs to answer some of the turnover issues and just the overall year that his team had. I think a lot of it wasn't his fault. Uh, that defense was pretty putrid. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he couldn't go out there and play linebacker, but, you know, yeah. I, I, th- I think he I think he can come and, uh, you know, knock a little of the rest off and, and improve himself. And Nick Trubisky, who might be the face of this quarterback class, and a lot of pressure on a guy that's only started one year. Not enough to I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it. Not enough to go off of. I'm torn here because I'd like to be – the most famous person named Mitch from my hometown. Yeah. <laughs> but on the other side, I don't want to root against the kids, so we'll yeah. see what happens. I don't, know. And I don't want the Browns. Think about the pressure there for a team that hasn't had a good quarterback in 20 years. What you're hoping for and is... the local kid's going to... And who has started one year, I just think it's a bad situation. Yeah, what you're hoping for is you... you uh, the wolves. You, yeah, you, you take Miles Garrett and just ship Mitch Trubisky off to the Niners at pick two and then we'll just keep watching their their franchise flounder. It's one thing to say, where a quarterback, where's that first quarterback going to go? It's not like in years past where we've said one, two, they're gone. No, no I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, you know a QB not taken for a, a long while. Could be, yeah, anywhere between two and like 19, yeah. something like that range. Like 
There's there's no tally with this one. All right, date three now. D-line, linebacker, the big boys on the defensive side. The big uglies. I know you're pumped for this, Sully. Mm-hmm. We look at this group, and it's so easy to just say who's going to be the star of this combined Miles Garrett, but I feel like it's the surest thing. Like, if you could bet on this somehow, I think your odds would be terrible, but I like You it. know there's somebody out there betting <laughs> on it for sure. There's definitely a pool of, like... But what odds can you get, Garrett's a freak. We know that. Yeah. Right. Right. He's a freak. I think the guy is going to blow everything out of the water. I think he's going to test really well. And it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best player out of this out of this defensive line class, in my opinion. Uh, okay. All right. You know what? I'm glad you brought this up. So you're still on the you're still on the Bar- Barnett. Oh, I think yeah. Barnett's better. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to be a better NFL. player. I think player. he's going to be a better. I think he's a, more of a sure lock to be a better NFL player oh, than Miles Garrett. Mm. I think that the production the pass for me. I, the I get the, the college side of it. Yeah, I get, I get it. it. But he, okay, there's well, double and triple teams. Yeah. Barnett was double and triple team. Mm-hmm. He was double and triple team, and uh, and he and he did it against the biggest teams getting doubled and triple teamed. Like 90, so, 90 to 95% of his sack production was against SEC teams, Division One teams. You take UTSA in his five and a half sacks from Miles Garrett, and he doesn't even have double-digit sacks last year. You think Butch and company would have... Yeah, I know if it was legal, would have done a one for one. We'll take Garrett. No, I think they would have. I no, I don't think you would have. Quick phone call. No, I think it would have been like we could get Miles Garrett. Yes. Let's oh, go. you bit, you break, you break Reggie White's sack record. Garrett didn't. Garrett would have tied him. <laughs> and it's I think not he, a knockout. It's not a knockout. May, maybe, 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 maybe Garrett would have had four and a half sacks against UTC last year, but he sure as heck wouldn't have had two or three against Alabama. All right, because he certainly didn't. I mean, that's I guess he shot away. Like, like Barnett, Bar- the thing big. What's what's the old saying? Big players make big plays in big games. What did he do in the LSU game when they needed the most? Gone hey, for four quarters. Archie Griffith was he the was, best college running back ever. Year, he, he, he was banged up. Yeah, there there definitely is an asterisk yeah. to, to a lot of a lot of stuff I'm saying because he was yeah. banged up yeah. and there's double teams. But I mean, come on. Guys. I mean, Archie Griffith was the best college running back ever, and he couldn't. Yeah, make that transition. Right? So just college yeah, stuff is not. And, oh, I, and, and, and I'm and, trusting guys that. I, I do research, maybe not as much as you guys, but I can't find one person outside of the volunteer community that says Barnett. Bucky Brooks. Go look at Bucky Brooks. Okay. Bucky Brooks said okay. he could, could. Wait, could? Could be. Could be could the be. best Could be the best could. pass rusher in this. But if he did start. a mock, if he was going to draft it. Where oh, he no, he's, he's got he's got a number one. I think, yeah. I'm not arguing that he should be drafted over okay. him. I'm saying he. I think he is more of a, a surefire lock to okay. have a good career. You can't have two surefire locks. I don't think we're ever not going to say Garrett's in that lock thing. You could say oh, one yeah. might be a little better, but we're talking, we're talking Von Miller comparisons. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and it's well, easy to see when you watch. Yeah, the it's easy to see, and they both were there, and yada yada yada, whatever. Just yeah, <laughs> I actually see Jason Taylor too when I look at some of his tape. Like I think he can put out some bed, sides. Yeah, yeah. 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 Surprised yeah. Taylor made it in the Hall of Fame in his first year too. Some little side note, but <laughs> as far as best D yeah. lineman, I think you gotta look at a obviously different position. But I like Jonathan Allen a lot, and he's a it's a shame that he's probably gonna go like three at the worst because I'd love for him to somehow make make it all the way down to thirteen and re- potentially replace Calais Campbell. The Cardinals are probably gonna use in free lose in free agency, but this guy just jumps off the tape too. He's obviously getting everyone's best shot. Weird, weird for you guys to be picking that right now I know. the last couple of years. I know, right? But, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, get a big-time player there. But I look at Allen as probably being the one who's, like, the surest bet to be a Pro Bowl-type player. Obviously, there's a lot of the 
hit, hit and miss man. with uh, pass rushers. So who were some other like, guys? I guess outside of those that we're looking at here, Solomon Thomas. Stanford. Yeah, no, I think he's going to test really well. The dude's just a freak athlete. And he's, solid. I mean, it's a Stanford yeah. rep, but just right. No real weaknesses across the board. Um, yeah, Shaw says that he's he's going to turn some heads, and, and and a lot of a lot of guys know exactly who this player is. But I think uh, he's he's going to put up some numbers that they're going to freak some people out just from his size. Another dude, just edge rusher Tim Williams too. Yeah. Speed, speed, speed. Yeah. It was scary. There was, there was one play uh, DJ tweeted out against Tennessee, actually, where it was basically like, hey, pre-snap, Tim Williams and Jonathan Allen were on the edge, and they're like, hey, who, who can get to Dop first? And it was just a big old pancake between yeah. the two of them. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a terrible game to watch. Um, but, but yeah, that, it, it's just a gross, gross, just quick snapshot of how good Bama is. And when you look at guys like Jonathan Allen and Tim Williams, that are a couple of the better edge rushers and, and, and defensive linemen, or potential pass rushers in this draft. I mean, you look at it, not to rehash our old argument, but Alabama's so loaded that stats aren't going to tell the whole story no. because it's an all-American crew. Right, right. So you're right. not going to put up the numbers you would with, with a less talented roster. Right, for sure. But, and it tells you, too, how the league's going. Like, this is it. Like, it's harder to guard receivers the way the rules are, especially how dynamic these passing attacks are. Mm-hmm. So how do you combat these offenses? Yes, Edge rushers. <laughs> yeah, you can't pass it if he's on his back. You know? Yeah. And you see with the, the guys who got franchise tagged right here the last couple of weeks, Chandler Jones, Jason Pierre-Paul, Melvin Ingram, mm-hmm. uh, Kwan Short, all young, young-ish pa- yeah. pass rushers, like everyone on the open markets, like a Dwight Freeney old guy. Yeah. I mean, Teams are not letting their. Well, yeah, and not even go. sure if they can afford or if they're even in the long term plans. But you, you're scared to lose them. Exactly. The alternative is yeah. brutal. You'll it, get no rush. You'll give up forty again. Looking at this draft class, it doesn't seem like this, but they don't grow on trees really because a lot of these guys are going to bust. But it is pretty crazy what the premium teams put on a really good crash rusher is. Um, yeah, that's why one's going to go number one in this draft. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not the first time we'll be the last year in the next few years. So. No, I mean speaking as a Browns fan that needs everything. You take the best player. You just need players. You need a plug and play, and that's yeah. Although if he does have a bit, okay. I, I might I might have a little chip on my shoulder for for Garrett, but dude, Jonathan Allen. There there is on this list. Jonathan Allen, I think, like you said, has the best potential to be a, a, a pro bowler consistently. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's a bigger game changer in general than Jonathan Allen on, on, on That's fair. No, that's a fair take. The, and the guy just 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 took over games, Ole Miss game, just right. down by 21, grabbed the team by the horns and said, we're not going to lose this. Right. Plain and simple. That's part of it, too, because you're Ain't not going to see Did that. it again, down at halftime. Comes out, scoop and score, fumble, touchdown, here we go. Here, 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 comes, here comes Bama. Well... With Matt Wittenberg, Sean Sullivan, the final day as we talk combine Monday. It's weird to see this go into a Monday. I've always thought that was a little odd, but it's strictly it it's strictly for the DBs. Obviously, mm-hmm. no, you know the people running this don't have another job to get to. They're going to go into <laughs> Monday, but defensive backs they get their own day, and that's the last chance for a lot of these combine records to fall. I think obviously bench press is probably safe going into the DB route, yeah. but Adoree Jackson, that's the one guy I wanted to bring up around you. To see what we're gonna what we're gonna get out of him. I know he got banged up in the Rose Bowl. He's a player. This kid can fly. He can do a little bit of everything. How do you see him at the combine, Sully? Uh, I think he's gonna be a freak. There's there's a lot of freaks, and he might be the freak of the freaks. 
just what what he can do. It's good, it, it, his, his his highlight reel is one of the best you could possibly put on in this class, if not the best. I look at running strides too, right? And he has maybe the purest right. Ted Ginnish, you know, like it just looks like it's easy for him. Like he's not even trying mm-hmm. that arm, just smooth. Uh, you hear you hear names starting out a comparison in the league. Uh, Tyron Matthew, Eric Berry, these guys that break games open and when they get the ball in their hands, watch out. The guys can guy has the possibility to go for six. Yeah, his question is just his coverage, and obviously right. if you're drafting him as a cornerback, then that's one thing that you want to be shored up. But right, is if, he going to play corner? Like, that, that's that another good drop question. safety. Who knows? Like play offense as a slot receiver. Like, too. You can do so much with this guy. I feel like he'll. I think first round might be out of the question for him unless he runs four two. But hell, he yeah, break, could. goes out breaks yeah. the record. Then like oh, okay, well I think we, we can kind of kind of take a first round pick. Byron Jones yeah. when he did that insane long jump probably got him drafted right. in the first round. So I mean, if yeah. he te- puts up a record, then we'll see. But I feel like second round is probably the appropriate range for him. And that's the true value of the combine is those mid round guys to take that step up. If you're at the top, you're probably not going to flame completely out of no. the first position. Yeah, but you're yeah. more likely to get that bump from mid round to, to, to just below right. first, right at or, first. Or if you're one of the mid round guys and you lay an egg, then you can drop out like a like an ASU guy, like Montez Perfect, oh, completely man. went undrafted. Of course, yeah. he had uh, a little off the field issues, but <laughs> his coach <laughs> wouldn't even vouch for him. His coach wouldn't even vouch for him. No, that no. tells you a lot. Exactly. But who are some other guys Sully in this defensive back? Uh, uh, another tweener, another guy that can play a lot of a lot of a lot of different positions. Jabril Peppers. Your athlete on he might be the most intriguing combine prospect. Right, right. Where is he going to play? Is, What's he going to look like in do we, drills? Do we know? Do we know? Is he going to go linebackers and DBs? Is he going to two straight days? Like, what is he going to do? I heard DBs, but I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. You can yeah. decide. But I see him more as that, that safety kind of player. Right. I think he was at his best when he's his movement. I mean, he was a strong guy and he could bulk up if he needs to. Mm-hmm. But the motor covering all the field, I just I see him more as a safety as someone that passionately rooted against him his yeah, entire exactly. career. <laughs> I respect yeah. his ability. I think he's more of a safety. Yeah, I that's gonna be the big time question. And like sometimes it takes guys a couple of years into the league to really find their role. I feel like he's gonna be one. The guy that I'm really your boy Honey Badger. Yeah, exactly. He's been jumping back and forth between slot corner and safety. I feel like ever since he's been in the league, but he's he's unquestionably one of the better (laughs) better secondary. He is. He just needs to stay healthy. (laughs) Right. A guy that I really am looking forward to watching is Buda Baker, guy out of uh, Washington, rangy safety, really hard hitting dude. Oh yeah. I feel like that he's in that first round, second round tweener range too. And uh, we'll see how he tests, but I'm, he's a guy that I obviously watched quite a bit this year. And propen- uh, propensity, that's not a word. He, w- he was always one of those guys who seemed to be around the ball. Well, we're learning too now. You can't, you exactly. can't just be a hard hitter anymore. No. You have to cover the way the league's gone, the way the rules are being called, mm-hmm. too. Changed to, you know, defenseless receiver plays. A guy like Eric Berry isn't nearly as effective if all he does mostly is hitting. It's mostly right. coverage for him. Exactly. That's true. Yeah, but uh, the, the guy is, is also deadly when it, when, yeah. when it gets the ball in his hands. So he's no, a little more than taking people's heads off. Yeah. But guy guy that heavy hitter, bigger guy that reminds me a lot of uh, Seahawks and Sherman, and you always draw comparisons, and Sherman does every year. He's the next big, you know, tall quarterback. He's one of those dudes that gets compared a lot. But Quincy Wilson, the guy is an absolute ball hawk. Had a pick against Tennessee this year that, that was, was almost a heartbreaker. Luckily, the balls got it between the buoys, but... The guy's great. Super instincts, and uh, going coming into the year, his teammate Tease Tabor 
was getting all the spotlight, that he was going to be the big NFL prospect and mm-hmm. was kind of up and down all year. And Quincy was just, just kept on making plays. And he's just that he's got the big frame that you want to see in a quarterback. And he's got it. He's got he's got it all. I think he's going to come off the board pretty early. Well, I'm I'm intrigued as well there because I remember watching him later in the season, like you said, ball hawk, and seeing Malik Hooker on that list. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, no, I I, I cover. I know. He's I know. Gonna be the first safety. Take gonna, yeah. I mean, he is no doubt. <laughs> or him or Jamal Adams. I, I think Jamal. Another Buckeye really, secondary really just getting gutted by the draft. Right. You're, you're, you're going to lose. You're going to lose three guys out of out of your secondary again. <laughs> You know, for the back-to-back years. It's pretty crazy. You know, safety might be the most underrated aspect of how teams are drafting and getting mm-hmm. better. Because you look at what a guy like Landon Collins, I use him as an example, he's the easiest yeah. one. But he comes in from Alabama. The Giants were a mess defensively. We we talked multiple times about how bad that defense was, specifically the secondary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you get a safety, you get that general back there. You get somebody that can help out with the run in the pass and it can Earl change Thomas. everything. Yeah. Earl Thomas. You I mean, pull him out of that defense and look what the Packers did. Changes. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah, and I don't. I mean, we know Sherman, we know Chancellor, but Thomas makes that defense go, and oh, he, he's he the does. backbone to the whole operating system. Right. And I think you find a safety in this draft that can go one, two, or three in rounds, and you could have somebody to, to change your franchise. Yeah, it's it's a it's a deep DB class. I think there's a lot of talented guys that can come in and, and you can plug and play them immediately. Desmond King, we brought up earlier. Adoree Jackson, obviously. Cam Sutton, another dude that I really like uh, for obvious reasons. But I, I think he's he's a guy that you could put at safety, a cornerback. He played nickel. He did it all in the senior bowl, return putts. The guy's a solid, solid player. Every team needs corners, too, with how right. many. Like, you're always like always in nickel with how much teams are passing. Oh, yeah. Days, you almost so. need four now. Exactly. So yeah. You can't, you're not, you can't get by just with, like, two solid guys anymore. Not at all. So before we wrap this up, the last question I want to pose to you guys, we mentioned Kelly and Jess earlier, but Joe Mixon not at the Combine for character issues for his past. This is a guy with a ton of talent, but obviously a lot of problems off the field. Not on an individual case, but do you, but do you guys think big picture it's good for the Combine to not be including these guys that have these issues? Yeah, I, I mean, it's... It is what it is. I think uh, the selection process for the combines a little different. I think they I think they pull like eleven teams scouting rooms and see, you know, match them up by point differential and and it, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. It's kind of a two headed thing because it's not going to give them a platform to be able to right those wrongs and, and you know kind of fall on the sword, but. If teams are going to take a chance on a Chad Kelly or a Joe Mixon, they're going to have that opportunity to interview. They're right. going to meet with them. Yeah, they're going to meet with them in their thirty in the thirty player. I think uh, the biggest uh, thing is the time combine interviews between like instance. Like there's still nuclear heat on Joe Mixon. Yeah, and nuclear. I've I've said time and time again. There's no excuse. There's no defense for what he did and mm-hmm. how he's behaved since. But I am I am in the camp that people deserve to reform. Like if he's. If he ends up being, and I don't know if that's the case, but if he's truly sorry and he wants to live a different life, I mean, that's he's like a prisoner. Like I don't want to assume that he's going to jail or anything, but you've earned the right to get a second chance. I'm a big fan of that. So I, I, we'll see. But I don't have a problem with them keeping these guys out. Kelly's case, I don't know that he was that good to begin with. Oh, that's true. He He's a borderline prospect, too. Nixon, obviously, is a little different. I don't know. Swag Kelly, Swag Kelly, not a borderline prospect. The kid's going to get drafted. Like, I mean, he'll get drafted. Like, he's like, going to get drafted. He's borderline. Like, like, borderline I mean, like, yeah, there's there's, not there's some scouts out there that think he's a top, top two, three-round pick. 
He's not, and, and it might be a lot to what how the quarterbacks are in this right. track class. It's not. I mean, but there's guys that there's a lot of guys that don't get to get invited just because the exclusivity of the combine. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the combine is more like it's supposedly the best of the best prospects, and getting invited there is a reward. And obviously, these guys with character concerns didn't fulfill their end of the bargain their entire time in college and be upstanding citizens, which obviously the NFL is looking for. And, has a little bit of a PR problem with all of the that's, cases. That's and a good point, too. So, I mean, I feel like it's their event. They're in the right to make the call on who's, who should be there, who shouldn't. So, But obviously, I'm a proponent for these guys getting their shot to prove that they have changed. Yeah, the, out of those 11 teams, and every team has a different strategy, but a lot of, out of the 11 teams that they that they poll to see who they're going to invite, I, I guarantee you that, that most of those guys are ones to not turn their head on the, the issues that those guys have, like the off-the-field issues. That's like they're going to try to lead towards a lot of the PR issues that, mm-hmm. that the NFL has. I mean, you're not going to give this guy a podium, you know, when, when there's a lot of heat on him. Right. I'm saying if I'm one of those teams, I totally understand not wanting to risk a high pick mm-hmm. on someone like that because of the value associated with it. Mm-hmm. But I would have no problem spending a late-round pick on a Joe Mixon and saying yeah. up front, the way you handle it is, we are not going to tolerate another mistake. He's gone if he makes a mistake. But the we are. We do believe in second chance. The perfect way to the perfect team that Joe Mixon could go to is the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry gives <laughs> zero <laughs> crap. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, he, he does. doesn't care. He doesn't care about about character issues because he can take the hit. Yeah, Randy Gregory, Hardy, all of them. Like, Peterson, if he gets yeah, exactly. He does, he, thing. And he can sit behind Elliott. That's an incredible one-two punch. And I, I think, uh, no pun intended, actually, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jesus, but, okay. Literally, there's no... There wasn't. There there no, it's uh, an audio uh, podcast, but I saw your reaction. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, no, I think I think that's a that's a, that's a a landing spot for him. Swag Kelly, uh, there's a there's a lot of quarterbacks need... There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks at the top end of the draft that maybe don't want to go for Mitch Trubisky. You could probably get Swag Kelly in the sixth or seventh round. Why not? You know? Quarterback's a tougher one to grade because I feel like the drop-off is pretty big and the yeah. learning curve, like he's somebody that I think whether he can or can't play, he's going to need to sit for a few years. And learn, and for, learn. Sure. So, for sure. Yeah, he's he might have a future as well. Well, guys, this is fun. I think we're ready for the combine now. Yes. Ready for ready more football. Rock. Let's do it. I, it it's, it's the dog days of... Uh, of the off season, so we, we what got, off we got, season? Yeah, there is no off season exactly. There's this. We got draft, a couple spring games. I know. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll leave it that. We've been wanting more. But all right, guys. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. All right, thank you. Thanks, Eric. Huge thanks to Sully and Witt for coming on. Sean Sullivan and Matt Wittenberg for making an appearance on the Money Mitch Effect. You can tell they love college football. They love pro football. And they love debating stuff too, so that was a good lengthy discussion to look forward to four days of scouting combine bliss. Alright, now it's time to switch it up and talk hockey. Tyler Tesson is going to come on to discuss the trade deadline, the Wild and Blackhawks, and, and Capitals making moves to improve themselves, some teams staying pat. We'll look at what moves individually can improve some of these teams and how the playoff picture will shape form as a result of the NHL trade deadline. And we're also going to talk about Austin Matthews, his sensational rookie season. And the 40th anniversary of Slapshot, you're not going to want to miss that at the end. Here's Tyler Tesla now on the Money Mitch Effect.
All right, now joining me on the line on the Money Mitch Effect back again to talk hockey, because that's what we do, not politics or religion, but to talk hockey, Tyler Tesson. Tyler, thanks for joining the show yet again. Hi, thanks for having me on, Mitch. Well, it's the NHL trade deadline season, and I feel like every year we say it's exciting, something crazy could happen, though most years it's just all hype. I think it's safe to say, Tyler, and I know we both follow this pretty religiously, this has been one of the good ones. I can't remember a year where there's been more teams that aren't sure if they're buying or selling, and as we've seen, teams that are following through on trading some of their big guns. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with how bad the East is this year, so I think a lot of teams are kind of walking that fine line of are they buyers or sellers, but then even if they are on the line, kind of three top dogs, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Columbus, that you know even if you are buying and you're you know, on the verge of making the playoffs, it's probably not going to make a big enough difference to have an impact once you get there. Yeah, Washington right now at 89 points, Pittsburgh 84. Next highest is Columbus actually at 83. No one in the Atlantic higher than 76. But, you know, I really, I do agree with you because you look at like the wild card picture with the Rangers 82, they actually have the fourth most points in the whole entire Eastern Conference. But everybody is within about 10 points all the way down to the Red Wings and Hurricanes who are ringing up the rear. The East is bad as a whole. There are teams that can maybe challenge for that second wild card spot. But I do think it's an arms race, too. That's the thing we see every year. It's not just are we buying or selling in that perspective, Tyler. It's do we want to risk a rental? Do we want to trade draft picks or serviceable players for players that are heading into free agency? Yeah. Exactly, and I think New York was kind of the perfect example of that. They were in talks for Shattenkirk, but it looks like they weren't willing to budge on you know, him potentially being a rental player for him, even though it sounded like he'd want to sign an extension there. They didn't want to pull the trigger, and I think a lot of that has to do with just kind of being on the edge right now on if they truly are a contender once the playoffs get going. Yeah, well, let's look at that deal right now. Shattenkirk goes to the Capitals. He was dangled, as you know, as a St. Louis fan and a resident there, you know how he was dangled going back to last offseason talks for a, a trade for Taylor Hall, who ended up going to, from Edmonton to the Devils. But that was the biggest domino that's fallen so far. Kevin Shattenkirk and goaltender Phoenix Copley going to the Capitals in exchange for Zach Sanford, a, a nice up-and-coming forward. Brad Malone, part of that deal, a 2017 first-round pick and a conditional Second round pick looks like it's going to be 2019. But, Tyler, the big thing with this team, while it's scary how good it makes the Capitals this year, putting all the eggs in the basket to win now, what's interesting about this deal is a lot of teams were making sure, or wanted to make sure, that Shattenkirk signed an extension as part of the deal. The Capitals didn't do that. Are you surprised that they're willing to trade for Shattenkirk without a new contract? I think after seeing the package that they gave up, I'm not surprised, just because give up a young guy in Sanford, but you're not mortgaging the future by any means by making this deal. And, you know, the risk and the reward, you put yourself as the top contender for the Cup now, you're going to be the favorite. So you put yourself in a good position once you're getting into the playoffs. Yeah, there's no guarantee that Sanford ever plays on this version of the Capitals. I know he's a good player, but they're absolutely loaded up front. Draft picks, let's call that first what it is. It's probably going to be the value of a second pit, round pick. It's going to be so yeah, late in the draft. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just look at it like, I mean, look at look at how loaded this team is now. We talked about it yesterday 
a power play that could have Oshie, Ovechkin, Backstrom, John Carlson, Shattenkirk. Braden Holpe, who's at near the top of the Vesna list yet again. I think you absolutely make the deal for that. They can afford, worst case scenario, Shattenkirk doesn't re-sign. They didn't give up too many future assets. The Blues' perspective, though, is interesting, Tyler, because on one hand, Shattenkirk's an all-star. His point production is top five, top ten in most major defensive categories in the last five years. But there have been some weaknesses on the defensive side of things. And without that contract, with him probably virtually not re-signing there after this offseason, you had to deal him. While I thought the compensation might be weighted towards the Capitals, I'll give the Blues the benefit of the doubt in this case. I don't know what you can get for a guy that doesn't have that contract and is on his way out. Yeah, and I, I think it was a far-ground conclusion here. You know, everyone was well aware that he wasn't going to be back, even if we, you know, I think I think a lot of people were upset with the deal. They just didn't think we got enough. But it's kind of tough because if you're Armstrong, you want to make the deal sooner rather than later because if you don't do anything and the deadline passes, you basically, you're just letting this guy walk. So, you know, he's got to be smart about it, making sure he's getting a return. But from a fan's perspective, you got to be happy that you're just something in return and guys not just walking you know and you're just sitting there losing an all-star yeah it's a tough spot to be in and i heard the i think the best way to put it tower there it's a nice young asset there's some draft picks maybe they work out maybe this team builds forward the future but i don't know if armstrong is going to be around to see it it's a shame he probably won't yeah yeah, and then you think a team like the Rangers, I don't know if they're willing to ship, you know, mortgage the future on sending a huge package to Shattenkirk knowing that they're getting the extension signed when they know they're one of his top destinations yeah. after this year and they have a chance to get them. And if they don't think that's the last piece to get to the cup, they might as well just wait it out, hold on to their pieces. Yeah, it's a tough position in the short term for teams like Pittsburgh, New York, and Columbus in that Metro division, the rich getting richer. And I think part of that deal for the Capitals was let's keep him away from the Penguins, who were his other top suitor in this trade. But with the cap ramifications the way they are, and I agree with you, for Washington to re-sign him to that mass extension, they're going to have to move some pieces. I think Oshie's up this year, too. They're going to have to decide yeah. if he's a part of their priority. The Rangers could get him next year without having to trade for him. Another team in the mix is Boston. I think those were his top two. I'm perfectly fine with the Rangers just waiting this one out. It seems like they're kind of in a, I don't want to say a rebuild, but a, a reloading on the fly situation in New York. Yeah, and I think, too, the other piece of it with Washington, like I don't think anyone's looking at it as a bad deal for Washington, but they caught some heat for, you know, some people said they just kind of sat on their hands at the deadline last year, and I think they wanted to make sure they were aggressive this year to put themselves in the best position. Well, they certainly did. A team that... At the All-Star break, the only weakness you could say about the Capitals was that their power play wasn't in the top 10 in the league. I think that's going to change very, very soon. And the other side of it, what I'm very interested to hear your perspective on, Tyler, the Boos make this trade in that wild card range. Have they pulled the chute, so to speak, on this season? Do you think they're still going to make a run this year, or is this move strictly about the future? I think it's about the future and just making sure you get something. But I think if you're the Blues, you're just hoping you can barely hold on and just get that last wild card spot to get into the playoffs this year. But I think from the organization standpoint, they don't have any expectations of making a deep run. So it's one of those moves you got to just make and you know save a little bit on the salary too with unloading Chad and Kirk. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty strange. I mean, look if. 
Jake Allen plays goalie the way he's played most of the year, not very well. With or without Shattenkirk, they're not making a run. If Tarasenko's attributing or contributing most of the offensive production, I mean, they're not making a run. I think they're looking towards the future. they got to get some other contracts off the books. Uh, Jay Bowmeister comes to mind there. But, <laughs> I mean, but I think they, they have some pieces. They're like Pareko, obviously. They have they drafted well. Thompson looks like he's going to be part of their future. But I think they're starting to turn the page on an on era of Blues hockey that's probably going to be remembered for a lot of regular season success. But they just yeah, couldn't get it done. Yeah, they have a lot of depth at D, too. So by moving Shattenkirk mid-year, you're going to give a guy like Pareko a chance to be on that first power play you know, get some extra minutes. So you're really going to get a good idea on if he is your future guy and if you want to extend him long term. And then you have some other younger D that you can get a better look at now too by moving Shaq Kirk. Yeah, it's an interesting problem to have. We'll see where the Blues go from here. Did you ever think, Tyler, that Berglund would outlast Oshie, Backus, and Shattenkirk on the Blues? That is pretty amazing. I, you know, just thinking back when that young core they used to call it back then was around. I think everyone would have bet their money that Berglund would have been the first guy out of town. Probably disappointed that he yeah. wasn't. But, you know, he's turning into about a consistent 20, you know, around 20 goals a year guy, which, you know, for a third-line center, that's not too bad. Yeah, no, I've, I've been hard on him as well. I'll be the first to admit it, but he is playing better. And for what he is, for what he costs, I think that's the other important thing. I think he provides good value as I continue chatting with Tyler Teslan on the Money Mitch Effect, talking NHL trade deadline action. Let's say in the Eastern Conference, Tyler, I want to talk about those New York Rangers. I think they made an interesting move today. Active, though not in the Shattenkirk sweepstakes, they get a defenseman, Brendan Smith from the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings playoff streak looks like it's going to end, but I wanted to talk to you about the package. They gave away a third and a second for a guy that has a lot of potential but hasn't really lived up to it. I thought this was a peculiar and underratedly strange move. Yeah, and I mean, if you're Detroit and you look at it, you gotta love it. You're, yeah. You, know, you get ten picks in the draft now this year, and some pretty high picks, even though it's not that highly rated of a draft this year. But still, anytime you have ten picks in one draft, that's gonna usually bode well for you. But yeah, it's a lot for the Rangers to give up for a guy. He only has five points on the year, so he's just, you know, kind yeah. of your middle-of-the-road defenseman. It's not like you're getting a perennial all-star coming in. Yeah, a second and a third for a guy that's underachieved so far, but, but has talent. We've seen it at, at times. And I'll ask you this is from a general standpoint, not so much Smith, but in general. Do you think changes of scenery, maybe especially at the blue line, could help some of these guys? He's still relatively young. Do you think Smith could be improved by going to New York playing for a different team? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what you always have to hope. Someone that's not young, but they're definitely not old. He should be in, you know, his prime years of his career right now. So you got to hope maybe just coaching change, just a change of scenery, change of teammates. Maybe something will get him going and move to New York. That's a big change from Detroit. So you never know what kind of, you know, impact it's going to have. Yeah, something to monitor. The Rangers, while they're fourth, while they're a wild card team, they're very dangerous. We'll see what they're going to do in the playoffs. I, I'm not I'm not buying that they're going to just completely look towards next year. There's still a lot of talent, and they can surprise anybody in a playoff series. Uh, let's move out to the West. There was an interesting trade out in my neck of the woods here in Los Angeles Tower. The Kings acquire Ben Bishop from the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was Bishop and a fifth-round pick for Peter Budai, goaltender who's filled in for Jonathan Quick quite admirably, actually. 
defenseman Eric Sarnak, a seventh-round pick in 2017 and a conditional pick in this year's draft. This is a head-scratcher because while we all expected Bishop to be moved, Tyler, I don't know that being a essentially being a backup in Los Angeles for returning Jonathan Quick was where we had him going. No, I think everyone kind of had him penciled in in Calgary for, you know, that was kind of the main destination spot. A lot of people thought he would end up, but I guess the Kings offered him something they couldn't, the Lightning couldn't refuse. But it sounded like, from, I was reading something earlier today, it sounded like Lightning was more just they needed to dump the salary because mm-hmm. they had, I think it was five guys with close to like $10 million in cap bonuses this year that were going to hit. And if they could clear that salary room out, they could just have it hit this year instead of moving into next year. So it sounded like that was a big part of it. You know, I think they just didn't see Bishop in the future, so they figure they might as well make a move now rather than just letting him walk at the end of the year. Yeah, Tampa Bay, a very disappointing team. It looks like they're going to be on the outside. They actually made another trade, uh, trading Boyle away as well. But I do think that they're when they signed Stamkos, that massive extension, and obviously the bad luck of him not playing, Todd, but when they made that deal, it was there was a ticking time bomb to when are they going to move salary around because they have some good players. Obviously, Kucherov is an is a unbelievable player in his own right. But Tyler Johnson's up. They have a lot of Victor Hedman's contract eats a lot. They had to get Bishop off the books. They have good young goaltending. And you get Budai, who's a backup. They don't have to keep him. They can easily cut bait with him there. But it was about dumping the salary and just kind of building towards their future, which this is one bad year. I think they can expect to be better in the future. But L.A., I mean, they make this trade, and a lot of people are just puzzled because... Obviously, people know there's needs in Los Angeles, but they didn't think goaltending would be the one that they addressed first. Yeah, and, you know, Quick essentially missed the majority of the year, but he's back, and you think he's going to play the majority of the games, but I guess you just kind of have Bishop there as your security blanket in case you can, you know, sneak into the playoffs and go on a run. Something happens with Quick, he gets re-injured, you have, you know, a guy that has playoff experience there, but just everything they gave up, it wasn't huge package, but you're still giving some assets up to get a guy that's going to be a UFA at the end of the year. Yeah, the short term of it is just that. I think they realize that quick coming back from injury, you probably can't ride him down the stretch like you've done in the past. I, I highly doubt he's 100%. And even last night's game, he gave up five goals. He wasn't himself. They've tried that strategy in the past, and it's, fail, it's failed miserably. I think having a guy like Bishop who can play big games, I think the Kings are a team that can make the playoffs. Obviously, that speaks volumes to how weak the wild card is in the Western Conference, but I think they can get in if Bishop and Quick play well. The other side of it, though, Tyler, and this is a long play, maybe it's this year, or maybe they sign and trade at the uh, at the offseason, but maybe Bishop is part of another deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's a proven guy, you know, he's just ran into some injury issues. Yeah, you know, has a guy competing with him for his job with the Lightning, so they're able to let him go. So you think he's a guy who's going to be fighting for a job. He wants to be a starting goalie. Yeah, you think Dallas could use a goalie like him? They'll take anybody, but I mean, that's a bad <laughs> yeah, example. But. Yeah. I think they may take me as their goalie. <laughs> well, well, yeah, they could start both of those guys, and I think it wouldn't make a difference. But on another note with the Kings, Tyler, I, I just want to throw this out there. If they make the playoffs... If they find a way to get in, I think Jeff Carter has to be an MVP finalist. Yeah, absolutely. And then you consider, and Kopitar has six goals this year, which is remarkable. 
yeah. that they're even in contention with him having a down year, you know, goal scoring wise. But yeah, pretty amazing. Jeff Carter, the guy, really flies under the radar to have another thirty goal season this year. It's pretty incredible and in keeping the Kings in contention. Yeah, and this is going to be the first time in a decade that Kopitar has doesn't lead the Kings in scoring. Jeff Carter every year, you know, he goes under the radar with how much he scores goals, but he's willing to do a little bit of everything. He got the Gordie Howe hat trick against the Ducks, although he got pretty much knocked out by Ryan Kessler in the process, but he was willing to go toe-to-toe with him, and I think he's a pretty good player, obviously, and one that the Kings have been riding heavily throughout the year. I do want to switch now to another Western Conference power, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks Tower. They missed out on a couple players they were looking at. But the most recent big splash that we've seen earlier today as we record this on a Tuesday, day before the deadline, they reacquired Johnny Oduya, who was an instrumental piece to their Stanley Cup run in 2015. Tyler, do you like this move? Do you think it was necessary? The Blackhawks are always looking to take on rentals, and again, they go to a guy they trust. Yeah, I mean, I you only have uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves for so many years, so... I think every year you're in contention and, you know, you're at the top of the West. you got to go all in. And I think they're just trying to shore up the defense right now. And the duty is a perfect fit. They know where he is. They know how he's in the locker room. They know what he can bring on the ice. So they didn't give up that much for him. So I, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I look at this trade and I think, well, first off, I looked at the, the, they traded Mark McNeil and a fourth-round pick, which is basically nothing. But I looked at their team the other day. Obviously, with Kane and Taves, you're always a contender, but with their contracts, you're always up against it salary-wise. Their defense was the issue. You look at them. I mean, Keith and Seabrook are approaching the tail end of legendary careers, at least the tail end of playing very, very well. They're getting up there. They have some young guys. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk has been very well, but... I don't know if you can trust him to play big minutes in the playoffs just yet. I love this pickup. It shows that they're committed to the back end. I think the Central Division playoff picture is going to be very interesting because you have the Blues that aren't sure what they're doing. Nashville's starting to get a lot better under people's noses. And then Minnesota, who's been the best team in the Western Conference. So I think it'll be interesting as I segue into that Minnesota Wild team, Tyler. And they made, if it's not the biggest splash, the most consistent splash, I think, because they added what they definitely needed to come deadline time. That was Martin Hansel and Ryan White from Arizona and a fourth-round pick for a first, a second, a conditional, and Grayson Downing. We know how good Hansel is. White actually scored last night. He's a perfect grinder. Are you surprised, Tyler, that Minnesota's in win-now mode this year? No, I love this move. I mean, if I'm them, everyone you hear says it's a down year for the draft this year, so... Why not dump a bunch of picks when you're the top team in the West right now and you, you think you have a shot at the cup? And then you get just getting handle is a nice piece. You get your third line center that you want. Then you also have White, you know, who's a guy you can throw in the fourth line who's going to contribute to the team. So I have no problem with it. Actually, I like the move a lot. And it's open. I mean, the, this, the Western Conference is open. You don't have that dominant Chicago team. I mean, there's always going to be in there. The Blues are down. The Kings are down. You know, the Ducks, we're not sure with them. I think I I like the move as well. And one thing I noticed watching them play last night against the Kings, Tyler, they're bigger than I thought they were. Like, they have, especially up front, like, I don't know if they changed or they, they started to acquire bigger players or just got deeper. But we talk about the Kings when they won, having those big forwards, the Ducks. Obviously, you need 
some size up front to get in front of the net. And I was blown away by just how physically imposing this wild team has become. Yeah, and I think that's what the hands move does as well, is you bring a guy in as a 6'6 center, and, you know, I watched the Blues-Blackhawks series very close last year, and that's kind of what helped the Blues out, was being a big physical four team that just wore the Blackhawks down, and I think that's the approach Minnesota's trying to take. I think they know what they have to do to beat the Hawks, so they're just trying to beef up now. Yeah, I just, you know, the thing with the Wild, too, Tom, you brought it up, as good as they are, as good as they've been and the potential they have, the Blackhawks have owned them. So I'm in the camp. It's kind of like the Blues last year. Until they actually do it, it's hard for me to bet on the Wild against the Blackhawks in a series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Hansel, I kind of compare it to, like, bringing in a Brower. I think Hansel's better than Brower. But, you know, it's the same kind of philosophy the Blues had with it. we got to get bigger. we got to have guys that go to that pound on the Black, team like the Blackhawks when you get to the playoffs. Well, it should be interesting. I think it's heating up. And before we wrap up the trade discussion, Tyler, trade deadline discussion, which is going to be tomorrow at 3 o'clock Eastern time, anything else that surprised you at this uh, so far in trade deadline talks? And do you think anybody else might be moved? I'd say the one surprise would be Ottawa making, you know, not a lot of moves, but going after Burroughs, yeah. going after Stahlberg, you know, like not, not your big, name moves, but still, you're going after some expensive pieces, you're giving up a couple players, you're giving up a nice top prospect, third round pick, and, you know, a team that I don't think many people would consider to be a true contender for the Cup this year. Yeah, I would say with, well, I would also say the Atlantic Division is down, and I think they see one of those three spots as theirs, and I also think, you trade it for a guy like Burroughs, who, obviously, we've known what he is and what he can do, and and all the drama that comes around with him and, and whatnot. But that's thought that's a thought process of we want to make a run at the playoffs. You don't bring in a guy like that to re- to rebuild. I mean it's yeah. all it's all about playing meaningful games with him. I would say too the Eves trade. Uh Eves going from Dallas to Anaheim. Dallas trading away a solid player that will help Anaheim up front. He's not the, the prettiest player, but he scores dirty goals and Honestly, well, that's what Anaheim's needed the last couple of years, getting bounced early in the postseason. Yeah, and I think part of Dallas is on it. I think he's a UFA this year, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so I, I think that's probably a piece in it, you know, if they can get something for him. But he'd have been a nice guy to re-sign. You know, I think he has 21 goals over the year, so he's having a good year. And it's a it's a nice pickup for Anaheim. You're only giving up a second-round pick. I think, can do, I think it, there's a chance it could turn into a first-round pick. But again... Draft picks are never a sure thing, so if you can get a guy who can score 20 or 30 goals for a playoff run, why not? Right, and the one guy I think, if I had to bet on somebody getting traded by the time we're done recording to the deadline, Tyler, it would be Vanek. I feel like Vanek is gone. Detroit's been brutal this year, uh, as we know they're looking towards the future. I like Vanek to get moved. I'm not sure where, but I think teams are asking about him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that one wouldn't come as a surprise at all. Another big name you hear all the time, Matthew Shane, too. Right. Colorado's been awfully silent, and they're terrible. Like, they're they're probably <laughs> one of the worst teams I've seen in, in a decade. And I lived through a lot of those early Blue Jackets teams, and, and you've seen some of those Blues teams, so that's saying something. But, yeah, surprised they haven't made a move with some of their pieces yet. Yeah, still some time left, though, so we'll see what happens. There are, and we got to mention, too, Marc-Andre Fleury. A lot of teams could use a goalie, and Pittsburgh's got an interesting dilemma on their hands. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the big team you hear about wanting a goalie right now is Calgary. So, But I think the last thing I read, it sounded like Pittsburgh wasn't going to move them. But maybe, you know, that's just trying to get somebody to up the ante. Right, and I think next year, I mean, he's got a year left. I think he's prime candidate for a draft day trade. I don't think now's the perfect time. They could wait a little bit with him. The market for a goalie is still going to be there. I think you could you could take a flyer and wait, but we'll have to see. So that's going to do it for Trade Talk with Tyler Tesla on the Money Mitch Effect. Before we wrap this segment up, Tyler, I want to talk about some other things. And briefly, you know, we mentioned the young guys in the NHL all the time, but I think it, it goes without saying. Now, Connor McDavid leading the league in scoring, Tyler, with 71 points, but I've been blown away by the rookies this year. Austin Matthews and Patrick Lyonet each have 30 goals. I want to talk about Matthews because he's a guy that came in with a lot of hype, and, and the knock on him was just, well, he's probably not as good as McDavid, but he's pretty, pretty damn good. I think there's a discussion to be had, and I'm still in the camp that McDavid's going to be the best player in the league, but I think it's a legitimate debate now of Matthews versus McDavid. Yeah, absolutely. I think Lightning's right in the conversation as well, being a little younger than Matthews. But I don't. I can't remember a time in the NHL where you've had three guys this young doing this well. I mean, I think the only thing you can really compare to is Crosby, Ovechkin, and Malkin being all there around the same time. But they weren't putting up numbers like this at these guys' age and all so close in age right now. Right, and Matthews is a point nine point a game player as a 19-year-old. McDavid is about 1.1, so obviously he has him there. But I look at Matthews, and you know this too, just someone that's played and, and studied the game, Tyler. There's a difference between just getting your points and affecting the game from start to finish. It's what makes Crosby so good, in my opinion. But you watch Matthews actually play, he's not somebody that just puts up points. He's somebody that every time he's on the ice, he's affecting the game. He's making his team better, and that's what stands out to me watching him. I think he's going to be, he's going to be the centerpiece of this league for a long time to come. Whether he gets McDavid, I don't know, but there's a lot to like in Toronto. Yeah, I think perfect illustration of that is who would have thought Pets Maple Leafs would be a playoff contender before the year started, and Matthews is playing a huge role in that. Right, he's got a scorer's touch. He's able to set up his teammates. I mean, obviously they made some good draft picks as well. But I'm a big fan of his game. McDavid is, is you know, the standard bear for young talent. It's almost unfair to these other guys. Right, any other year, any other time in hockey, there'd be probably not a debate. Or there would be a debate. It wouldn't be a, a shut-down discussion of McDavid's the best. But you have Line A, Eichel's playing better. He's staying healthy. This is tough. I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, Matthews playing and, and revitalizing Toronto—that's the surprise of the year so far for me. Can you remember a U.S.-born player with this much hype off the bat? I mean, I think the only close comparison is probably Kane. Yeah, but he's blowing Kane away from his first year in the league. I, and you know, I don't know. Now yeah. the growth level where Kane's gotten in the last decade. Matthews still would have some growing to do, and it's it's very impressive what Kane's done as an offensive player. But Matthews is a two-way player. I mean, he's a big guy out there that plays defense and hits hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I he has the potential to be the best U.S.-born player, I think, ever. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how we just keep moving Ronick and Mike Madano down the list. but Yeah, I mean, but, the, you know, just the, what his start to his career, I don't yeah. think it, you know, any of those guys are even comparable on how he's 
Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you on that one, for sure. There's going to be a lot of hockey to watch. He definitely has a long way to go to get that title, though. Yeah, but don't want to diminish the guys that made USA Hockey uh, what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely don't want to do Even Brett Hall somehow played in the Olympics for Team USA. I don't know how that works. But, all right, before I let you go, Tyler, got to talk about another thing circulating. It's been 40 years since Slapshot came out, an iconic hockey movie. And I think the easiest way for us to describe it Anybody that's ever been in a locker room, in a hockey locker room, there's no movie that's ever been held to high reverence. It's Slapshot reigns supreme, and I think we'll always be that way. Yeah, and I don't think there's ever been a movie that illustrates the culture of a sport better than Slapshot hockey. Just because every every person who's played hockey has been on a bad team before and been in a crazy locker room, and, you know, there's always just something crazy that happens on a hockey team and I think Slapshot just does a perfect job depicting that. Yeah, and the roles, the dynamics. I mean you could look at every team that you've probably been on and say there's this guy, there's that guy, just the personality, what they're into, what they're thinking, how they prepare for a game, you know, down to the crazy owner and, and I just it's perfect. I mean it's a movie that came out before we were born, decades a decade before basically we were born. And it still is something that's a must-watch for any hockey player or hockey fan. Yeah, and just all the quotes from the movie here. I mean, how many times were you in a locker room growing up where someone was talking about putting on the foil? And, you know, <laughs> the kids weren't even born when the movie was out. Yeah, yeah. I always think, too, the one that gets me is the uh, Dave's a killer, Dave's a mess. When uh, <laughs> he's just literally blood pouring out of his face after he just took on the, uh, after he it took on McCracken there. But... No, I think it's it just shows you that the game itself, because there's people that haven't played that played the game of hockey that love that movie, and I think it's it was a golden age of sports movies. You were able to get the personalities that made the game because let's be honest, it's hard to shoot an actual hockey movie with the actual action. Like it's hard to get people to skate, the actors to skate that haven't done it. So that movie was not based on just great action. They made it humorous. They made it lighthearted, and I think it was just. I can't, there's only a few sports movies I'd put in the discussion with Slapshot, I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think they almost, they wanted people not to be able to skate that well to fit, <laughs> to fit what they were trying to say in the movie. I mean, yeah, it starts off with the guy too drunk to even play. I think any men's league player or, or club hockey player has been <laughs> seen something similar to that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a great movie and a must-watch for anybody out there that hasn't seen it, definitely. Check out Slapshot. 40 years, it's hard to believe. Well, Tyler, Tyler, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate you coming on yet again. We'll have to chat again as the playoff picture heats up and all these trades are finalized. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. Huge thanks to all our guests on today's show, Sean Sullivan, Matt Wittenberg, Tyler Tesson. Appreciate them taking time to talk sports. Again, to Tim Adams, thanks for the beats. To Brian Nelson, thanks for the logo. Two shows this week. I promise there'll be a little bit more as the weeks come on. We get March Madness coming up, and we're going to do a big college basketball discussion in advance of the tournament selection. 
That's going to kick off next week. More hockey, some NBA discussion as well. We got to wrap the scouting combine and discuss NFL free agency. It's going to be a big week. I thank you for listening. A reminder that you can listen to all the podcasts of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Pops up easily when you put in Money Mitch Effect in the search term. And you can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 for sports and other takes. Thank you again for listening. I am Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep watching sports.